Okay, so like, let's recap. Let's recap really quick. The sports that we think could for sure be co-ed: um, soccer, tennis, mm-hmm. lacrosse. Yep. Baseball. Baseball. We'll say baseball. We'll say baseball. Yeah. Um, I think volleyball, low key. Yeah, vo- yeah, for sure, volleyball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think volleyball could definitely be co-ed. Mm-hmm. It would get mopped in basketball. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Summer 16 Podcast, a podcast between two friends who met, you guessed it, in the summer of 2016. With you as always, my name is John Bowie, at John Bowie on Instagram, and I'm here with my dog, Dr. Tunde, at taught underscore seven on the gram. (laughs) Dr. Nasty, Dr. Tunde, if you're nasty. (laughs) Every Wednesday, we'll have new episodes where somehow we figure out how to combine our different views, experiences, and beliefs to talk about just about anything, for real, for real, and always make sure we leave having learned something new. Uh, We have an exciting episode today. Uh, Of course, we're going to start by catching up, you know, just with different things going on in our lives, different things we've seen the past week. Uh, But we also have our first special guest. Uh, We have an interview with... Uh, a friend of the show, Ian Williams. Uh, he's. We're going to do a little bio later, so I'll save that um, for the folks. But uh, we're super excited to have him come on, talk about some NFL stuff, and share his expertise with us. Um, and, you know, we're trying this thing where uh, we're going to have our special guest deliver the AVM for us. So we're excited for that. Um, can't wait for you guys to hear us. And on that note, Dr. Tunde, what's good with you, dog? Um, nothing much. I am chilling. Uh, happy it's Monday. Uh, the days are kind of running into each other now. I feel like when I wake up in the morning, the only thing that, that, that I know is, is a day week I know for sure is Wednesday because that's trash day. And I can hear like the, the garbage cut truck coming down the street. I'm like, damn, I got to take the trash out. Dang. Are you like one of those people that's like, waking up at the crack and then like running out there to put the trash out like last minute and then like chasing after the garbage man? No, usually, usually I take the trash out the day before, like usually the afternoon before because I live like in a, in a triplex. So I usually take all our tr- trash cans out and I recycle it out. And then one of somebody else usually brings it in. So I try to be on top of that. Are y'all real strict about y'all recycling? Oh yeah, yeah. Seattle. Really? Not, Seattle's not play around. But what about in the house though? Like yeah, like we, we have separate we have separate um, containers for, uh, for trash, um, recycling, and we also have a compost. I was about to say y'all compost, bro. Yep. It's good. It's good for the plants. No, we just compost and throw it into the into we have a compost garbage thing. They oh, come so around y'all... and pick up the compost. So y'all don't even use it? No. Why don't you use it for your plants? I have indoor plants. They can still benefit from compost, right? You think I'm about to have comp- like compost sitting in my house so people can walk in and like, what's that smell? <laughs> <laughs> I'll pass. <laughs> Look, I clearly have no idea. I'm just saying words that I've heard in sentences together. You know, I'm trying to make sense of it, but 
No, you don't compost? Oh, you don't use your compost? Are those orange peels? I love orange peels. Nah, it's funny. Um, shoot, what's, um, what's been going on, dog? Um, anything, I guess sports? Anything sports? Sports related. Uh, NASCAR. Your favorite sport. Yeah, my favorite sport. My favorite non-sport of all time. No, 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 no. You said sport first. You said sport <laughs> first, and I'm holding you to it. I'm going to. I'm going to personally edit the episode. <laughs> so um, you can't crop. <laughs> no, 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 no. Non-sport. Uh, so, Bubba Wallace, who we talked about last week on our pre-show, is a biracial NASCAR driver who's been pretty vocal about how NASCAR is, what people who follow NASCAR and NASCAR in general can be a quite, uh, not the sport itself, but it's uh, racing adjacent, racist adjacent. Racist adjacent, that's a new term. (laughs) So he's been vocal about bringing down the the Confederate flags that's been, you know, flown at, NASCAR events, people who, you know, wear T-shirts and whatnot. And so NASCAR basically banned their, um, well, they banned the presence of Confederate flags. And that's then, like, that's such an interesting thing, man. Like, and we were, I think we talked about this on the pre-show, right? Like, like in what instance ever in history do the losers get to keep their their shit? Is it like I had saw I saw a video like I saw somebody talking about it an interview of some sorts and they were like you know to to black people in America isn't that almost just as insulting as like someone waving like a Nazi flag like in front of like Jewish people today maybe not as extreme but you mean like it's a similar idea right like I think it's very similar it's a very similar idea right but. Sorry, I, I derailed your whole story, but yeah. Yeah, well, people who are Confederate sympathizers, they get to claim the whole heritage thing. And I just don't get how... A heritage of hate should be celebrated? Yeah. But, um, so Bubba Wallace, anyway, he... So NASCAR, they banned um, Confederate flags and... And last week, Bubba Wallace, a NASCAR, you put logos all over your car for sponsorships, but he also had the hashtag Black Lives Matter on his car. Fire. Um, it was. And he, he has like the, like the all-black car, too, so it just... It just Yo, his whip is all black? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, be biracial, but be with the cause, Bubba. <laughs> Dude, I wonder if you got a black mama or a, or a black daddy. Oh, I don't know. That's interesting. But keep going with your story. I'm going to look it up. Okay. So yesterday when I was watching I was watching the ESPYs, as soon as it went off, they said, now we're going to late breaking news. Jesus. Apparently a, a noose was found hanging in Bubba Wallace's garage. Crazy. A, a noose. Like one of those pieces of rope that you... You know, used for lynchings. Yeah, or that, or that this country wants to say is responsible for six suicides of black people. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. 
Come on, bro. Okay, Bubble. I think. Yep. Bubba... Yeah, his mom is his mom is black. Desiree. Is it really? Oh, yeah. okay. Wait, are you basing that off her name, or are you seen a picture? No, I'm reading. I'm reading. Oh yeah, she black. Yeah, distractify.com. It said his mom, Desiree Wallace, is black. His dad, Daryl Wallace, senior, is white. And I think we also talked about this. That makes. It makes sense. Makes sense. I I don't want to spell it out right now. We have a we can have a different conversation on, on that. Um, I mean, I mean that, but that goes back to like post slavery days too, right? Like, um, if if your if your mother was black, uh, you were black, right? I'm pretty sure that's how they classified it. Like, I mean, there was obviously you're obviously biracial, but like they would consider you or treat you as if you were black. I'm pretty sure that's right, right? I gotta go reread this book. Never mind. I mean, you still have the. You, they still also went by the one drop rule as well. And even even as post slavery days, there were there were, and at least in America, I don't think there was any or not that many instances of, uh, black men black, with white women. Yeah. 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 And even in, even in the in the sixties, like Loving West Virginia, like the Hell Supreme yeah. Court case, I I can I was can, that in sixty seven? Yeah, sixty seven in Virginia. I can guarantee you that if the if the if it was reversed, a, a black man, a white woman, the Supreme Court would, would have been like, nah, nah, no. Nah. You said a black man. Oh, right, yeah, a black man with white. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Uh, like that's so crazy, man. Like. Like, when you actually think about, like, how long ago things were, right? Like, okay, this case that allowed interracial marriage was 1967, okay? My parents were, what, almost two years old when this happened, okay? Rudy Bridges is 65 years old this year. Were your parents she, were only two? Oh, my parents a lot older than you. Oh, yeah. That makes me, sense. That makes sense. Uh, why are your Why are your parents a lot older than my parents, Tunde? Not a lot mm. older. Not mm. a lot older. No, Tunde, stop it. No. Cut it out, Tunde. My mom was born Cut in '54. You're damn near my parents' age, bro. You're damn near my. Wow. Parents age. You're closer to my parents' age. Than... <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't want to hurt your feelings. I'm sorry. Hurt people hurt. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you like I was saying, Bridges? Like, yeah. So like Rudy. Rudy Bridges, Ruby, Jesus, Ruby Bridges is 65 years old this year. Like she was the first child to integrate or de- like to desegregate schools in America. You know what I'm saying? Like she's 65. Was that, that Arkansas? Uh, Alabama? Was it, was it Louisiana? Uh, was it Louisiana? Yeah, she went to, uh, yeah, Louisiana, William France Elementary School. Okay. In, in, in New Orleans. In New Orleans, they had but, to have the, the the National Guard like escort her to school. Yes, like you got you got grown adults spitting at her and shit. Like, okay, think about this. Okay, she's sixty five. What both of our both of our presidential candidates are basically eighty. Yeah. Right, which means they were teenagers, roughly. Teenagers when this happened. You like their parents theoretically were the ages of the people spitting at this child. And let's talk, let's also talk about with, with Ruby. Um, what a lot of people don't 
talk about is how all the teachers in that school quit except for one. Big facts. And we need to say her name. Um, and I and I just saw it the other day too. Um here, you 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 wanna pull it up? Yeah, I pull it up. Oh, uh, Barbara Barbara Henry. Yep. Yep, she's the only person that agreed to stay in teacher. Shout out to Barbara Henry. And she's eighty two now. So she's basically the same age as bruh. as both our, our can, presidential candidates. Bruh, like, come on, bro. Like, that's crazy. You see all these black and white photos, and people be like, oh, that was a lifetime ago, G. Like, she's younger than my grandma. That's so wild. She's younger than your parents. Actually, it's not wild. I'll take that back. That's it's exactly, not wild. That's exactly what this country is. Bruh, like, that is, that is because my Because the same shit is happening today. Today, in 2020. I mean, schools are, let's be real, schools are still segregated. We can say they're not, but for the most part, they are. With, with, with redlining and redistricting yeah. and, and zoning, and neighborhood zoning and stuff. Yeah, yeah, all that. Schools are basically still still segregated. Hey, dog, Barbara Henry kind of look a little decent in this photo. Oh, this is from 1998. Never mind. Boy. 1998. No, no. Who was I talking about the like the last podcast? And I was like, I didn't immediately uh, keep scrolling when I saw her. Uh, when I saw her on on Twitter. <laughs> who are you talking? I don't even know, dog. Do you remember I don't even- who are you talking about? Oh, uh, Helen. Uh, was it Helen Mirren? Helen. Oh, it was Helen Mirren. I don't think it was last podcast. I think that was like a couple ago, right? Hey, but Loki though. <laughs> <laughs> Loki, Helen Helen Mirren is a, a national treasure, bro. She's so talented. Helen Mirren and and uh, what's her name? I'm drawing a blank. The Golden Girl. Oh, oh, um, what's my girl's name? <sighs> Betty White. Yes, I Betty, love Betty White, bro. Fucking White. I love I love Golden Girls, Loki. You yeah. fuck with gold girls? Of course. Bro, let, me, let me find out Betty White's birthday is the day after mine. I knew she was a real one, bro. Of Come on, course. G. I knew she was a real one. Shout out to Betty White one time, G. Being a real one. She done had, what, one, two, three husbands. Yeesh. Dang. And she from Illinois. I'm from Illinois, too, Betty. And I'm from London. And I'm from... And I'm from uh, and I'm from DC. The final, the final episode of Golden Girls aired before you were born. Did it really? Yeah, nineteen ninety two. I was born in ninety two. So nope. Close I was, enough. I was close around enough. for Golden Girls. Nah, close, B. close enough. Nah, B, I was around for Golden Girls. G. Close enough. That's crazy. Cause I rock with Golden Girls. Thank you for being a friend. Dun, dun, dun. Travel down the road and back again. Dun, dun, dun. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. Thank you for being a friend. Come on, G. And she's the last know. one, yo. I know that, G. I know that. That's crazy to me. I've been rocking with my golden that, girls. That, that three out of four, like, been. Oh. Thank God protect Betty White. I mean, please. I like... She's a re- people like Betty White are why I stay in the house for during Corona because I don't want to spread that shit to nobody. 
Exactly. Protect Betty White, man. If you don't do it for yourself, protect Betty White and Helen Mirren. But then, but then, not and Ruby not Bridges. To, not to, you know, get too dark. But then you have like the the rally that happened in Tulsa. The on the rally. On Why do you call it a rally? I thought it was just a, a friendly meeting of the minds. The Klan rally that happened in Tulsa. <laughs> on Saturday and I was seeing pictures on Twitter there were so many people with no masks on I don't get it it's because they don't believe in the corona it believes in them because a number <laughs> of staffers were six it was six, six staffers that had it tested positive and you know how I, many sorry keep going I was going to say I want to see the numbers in Tulsa like in two weeks, like around July fourth ish. I want oh, to see the. Ooh we. Like. It's, it's gonna yeah. be crazy. Yeah, like it's so funny um, because even at that rally, you know, I remember when the tickets first announced and everybody was on social media saying like, "Everybody go RSVP and then don't show up," but like apparently it was it was a really bad turnout. Yeah, the rally because people were RSVPing that were just trolling basically. Yeah, because Trump said they he had over a million, a million people. people. Yeah, and it turned out to be closer to what, like fifteen, if that thousand. That's including like everyone, not like that's like the security and yeah, it might be it might be even less than that. But speaking of trolling, there's still a what, lot of people. You see what K-pop the K-pop stands are doing. K-pop stands. K-pop, like Korean pop. The Korean pop. On Twitter, no, they, they? they've hijacked the the White Lives Matter hashtag. Oh wait, I think I did hear about this. Keep going. So basically, if you click on White Lives Matter, it's just a bunch of K-pop stuff. That's it's amazing. Fire. <laughs> That's fire. It's amazing. Shout out to it. the shout out to the the K-pop stands. And, out and the K-pop stands were also the ones that were also by RSVP and. To the, to the KKK rally, that's to the. Wait, I mean, the, the just... Trump, I'm sorry, the, the, the Trump rally. My bad. I mean, it's the same thing, right? No, uh, I'm gonna say no. They're not the same thing. Only because I remember when I Anonymous. was in when I was in high school, there was actually a KKK rally in the town next to me, and I feel like that just was different. Okay, so let me ask you this: at, at that rally. What percentage do you, uh, people do you think are sympathizers of the KKK? At the tr- at the Trump rally or at, yeah. the, at the at the oh okay either one either one at the actual KKK rally how yeah many, uh, how many people, people how many people are Trump how many people are Trump sympathizers and at the Trump rally how many people are KKK sympathizers? That's a trick question, right? No, I'm just kidding. Um, I don't know, Tunde. I don't know, man. Uh, I just hate how divisive everything is, bro. Like, like, and we've talked about this. Like, I think I'm, I think I'm very much so a moderate. Like, I don't even pretend to just be like hyper liberal or hyper conservative on everything. And it, it just really sucks because I think the people that you see that are Trump supporters that are the most visible don't sh- highlight any good qualities of 
conservative ideals. Right? It's super it's super disrespectful to marginalized groups and other things. And it's just it's just really hard to watch, bro. It's just it's just all this shit is hard to watch. Like I hate it. I hate it. So I have, a, I have a question about that. I know you do. God. Just a quick question. Just a quick That's question. Fine. Here we go. So, Jesus. The Republican Party. Yeah. This is this is who they picked, right? It's, yeah. And they, and they allowed the the far right, the the bigotry, the xenophobic people to yeah. hijack their party. Yeah, you yeah. So, as much as you you know, I want to say that there's good people on both sides. Yeah, you, you say you're you're a moderate, right? But on that side, there there is no there is no there are no moderates. There is no are moderates, but like well, the they keep losing who, their jobs. Yeah, that's fine. The yeah. people who they've allowed to hijack their party, yeah, are pushing it further and further right. Yeah. So I mean, you can like you can yeah, try to really, stay in the middle all you want. Yeah. But the, the the middle is becoming further and further right. So honestly. So either if, if, you, is... if you if you if you stay in your middle, you're, you're gonna be dragged. To the right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. No. That's actually like a really really interesting point that you've made. Right. So think about think about, um, what was it like Nixon and Reagan and those years right where, um, a lot of the language was just around, um, being hard on crime and all this other stuff. Right. Like. So much so that they, I think they were very conservative, right, and 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 very, you know, right leaning. So much so that I feel like typically, Democratic candidates always try to be that. No, 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 no. I'm in the middle. I'm going to be for everybody. Uh, I'm all of our president. Blah, blah, right. Clinton was Clinton was the most notable in my lifetime to be that, right? Where Clinton Moderate. was, well, he he was a Democrat, but. He was a lot more moderate in his yeah, because right? he also was on on that I'm tough on crime as well. Exactly, but but and so like you have that's a really interesting point that you've made because you have a quote unquote liberal candidate who is being forced to meet in the middle and and pick up these conservative talking points at the time, and you know actually enact policies that were much more conservative in nature than liberal, right? And caused detrimental harm to the African American community. But now look at what we're repeating. Okay, you know we had Obama, um, who you know, hey everybody, you know, shout out, we got a black president, but like, shit still ain't great. He's also Obama is also not liberal. He's 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 very, he's a centrist. Very much so, right? Very much so. Um, and it's like. Okay, so you have Obama, and then you have Trump coming here swinging so far right in his rhetoric that it's even making traditional Republicans uncomfortable, right? That would be more willing to compromise and work in a political structure. He's so far right that now I legitimately think that, you know, when Biden comes and starts trying to speak to the masses, he's going to have to do that same sort of thing, right? He's going to have to take some sort of conservative talking points to make himself competitive. And then it's almost like, well, shit, you know, if, if you, if you're tallying and keeping score for conservative ideals, like you're still getting some stuff that you want, even with a democratic candidate on the ballot. 
and I, and I hate that. Because, it's a finesse. It's a finesse. It, it's, it's genius, it's, low key. It's the the right the right side of you know the right leaning people or Republicans. They are never willing to compromise their ideals, ever. Yeah. yeah. But Democrats always find themselves, you know, compromising bending. or bending, and things things that I feel like should be, you know, basic human rights are always being challenged. Like Republicans come in, into into power, and immigration gets challenged. DACA yeah. gets gets get, try, they try to shut down DACA. They try yeah. to as soon as Trump gets in office, how many challenges have we seen to Roe versus Wade? Um, yeah. They they take they take away or they they gut they gut parts of the Voting Rights Act. Yeah. They they take shots at affirmative action, but these are things that that I think that even if you're a true moderate, that that there are things that these are rights of people and they they. Sh- it should be here to stay, but if I find myself or I see that the moderates or republic or Democrats always bending on on these on, on these ideals, and it, it just sucks because Republicans don't do the same. I mean, yeah, I mean that's the problem with the two party system. One of the like one of them seemingly is trying to play play nice, and the other one is just like, nah. And if you're gonna bend, well, I'm gonna if you give me an inch, I'm gonna take a mile, kind of thing, right? Uh, but do you think the answer would be swing so far left? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's personally that's where I am. Like, well, I mean, I know you. I know where your personal ideology ideologies lie. But I'm saying, like, in terms of governing the country, like, do you think that that provides balance, or does that, that just tilt things in another in an opposite direction that's still not necessarily best for everyone? See, I would say, well. The best thing to do, like a lot of these Democrats have done in the past, is is to try to meet somewhere in the middle. But then, just like you say, just like you to start this conversation off, you said that a lot of it just becomes so divisive. It doesn't. I think no matter where the Democrats are or the left is, it's always going to be divisive because it's not going to be far enough right for the Republicans. They they want they want they want, it's like a tug of war, right? Yeah, everything has to be towards the right, and Demo- I mean Republicans are not going to be happy until that happens. So if if things are going to be divisive anyway, why not just lean just lean left as far as you can, and and maybe you pull along some Republicans, maybe you don't, and if you don't, they weren't coming along, they weren't even going to meet you in the middle anyway. So why compromise? Why compromise on on your morals and your beliefs? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And it seems like Democrats are way more willing to compromise, right? No, I wouldn't even say it's compromise. That's not even a good word. It's it's like they have to fight so hard for seemingly, you know, civil rights, right? Like that, that we're talking about. Um, that it's just compromise after compromise, inch by inch by inch. Um, whereas the Republicans are like, nah. We're just gonna do whatever it takes to win, and then we'll figure it out from there. Exactly. Uh, which I mean, shit. If you're if you're playing a game, man, like you can't fault the strategy because it's effective. Yeah. It's is effective. At what cost? But it's effective. Um, How do we get on that topic? I don't know. Were we talking about Bubba? Bubba. 
Bruh, oh, that's what I was going to ask you, though. Like, um, because, because, okay, so yeah, they found the noose in his garage or whatever, which still mind-boggling to me that this is a quote-unquote investigation because with all that technology and stuff, like, how do they not know who did that? Like, there's no way that they don't have, like, cameras all through those. Oh, they know. They know. They have to know. But the they thing arrested is, nobody. Like, that's a hate is, crime. It is a hate crime. But the thing is, if, if, you, if you find out the person who did it, let's say is somebody. Dale Earnhardt. Dale Earnhardt Jr. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> actually, he came out and said he wants, he wants Bubba to win this next race. Good. Shout out to Dale. But. Let's say somebody who is influential within NASCAR. That could be a major blow to, you know, their business. But it shouldn't matter anyway, right? What? what? Yeah, what? But I'm just I'm just saying how corporations work. Yeah. But, I mean, but they're gonna potentially take a huge blow anyway by supporting Black Lives Matter in a in a obviously uh what's a good word? Divisive sport racially divisive sport yeah so they've already took a take a shot they, and they're not going to really know any analytics right not for real for real because everything is there's no like in stadium stuff anyway but well maybe there are right because there's in, a lot of stuff is in florida so maybe i don't know wait was there a race today wasn't it today i don't you know you know i don't watch i don't watch nascar look we're talking Look, we're so desperate for sports. We're like, oh, my God, did I miss the Talladega Super Speedway race today? Oh, no. Bubba Wallace is in 14th. What would it take to get you to go to a to go to go a um, race, man? What's it going to take? I'll buy your ticket. I'll buy your ticket. Thousand... American dollars. A thousand dollars. Ten. A thousand. Ten thousand. How about it? Ten thousand dollars. A thousand. Okay. Okay. So it, okay. So ten thousand. If it's ten thousand dollars, that's got to include the ticket and drink. Like you, I'm just yeah, doing yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to pay for your own shit. Yeah. Uh, that's absurd. Ten thousand dollars. That's so rude. You have to imagine how uncomfortable I would feel at a NASCAR race. <laughs> I don't know why you feel comfortable. I'm sure there are lovely places to go. It's just you and your fellow Americans. You can be a you can wear your Bubba Wallace Black Lives Matter shirt. I'm definitely about to buy a Bubba Wallace Hot Wheels car though. You know how they do the little Hot Wheels NASCAR yeah. joints? I'm definitely about to cop one of them joints. Oh, they need to make a Lego or that shit or something. With a little black Lego man. Yeah. That'd be dope. That'd be dope. Um so the Bur- the Burnley the Burnley Football Club Burnley it's in the Premier League one of the teams in the Premier League bro I was, I, I, I was I was this is sidebar I, I was looking up what? I was listen to me I'm going somewhere with this um <laughs> I was looking up to see if Bubba Wallace won his 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 race today any race today or not okay on ESPN and Burnley is a t- is a fo- a club in the Premier League 
Okay. Today they'll play Manchester United. Man City. A, Man City. Man City. They played Man City. Yep. And a plane flew over the stadium with a banner that said White Lives Matter. You're lying. Just saying. I need receipts. Hold on. It's on ESPN.com. <laughs> oh my God. Burnley been me ashamed of Burnley's been me ashamed of White Lives Matter blown banner flown over Ethiopia. Wow. White Lives Matter, Burnley. Wow. See, this is this is why K-pop took over your, your stupid hashtag. Right, your stupid hashtag. Stupid hashtag. Y'all don't even know how to hashtag right, losers. <laughs> um, no, nah, like, uh, did you see, there was this thing I saw on Facebook. I know you're, like your, your favorite social media. Um, they, uh, there was some guy who made a, a, a White Lives Matter Facebook group. Um, it was like 60 people in it. And then... Uh, oh, I think was, I saw that. Yeah. And people got in there and they were like saying hella, hella, hella shit. And he was like, oh, there's enough information in here. I've sent this all to your employers. Uh, all that racist stuff that you guys were talking about on Facebook. Cheers or something. Like, I was like, dang, that's cold-blooded. That's, that's, that's what they get. Cold-blooded. Cold did I fire, really? Did fire I fire all the racists? Did I sing the Golden Girls theme earlier? Yeah, you did. That's embarrassing. That's cool. That's embarrassing. I'll, I'll do the uh, Fresh Prince um, theme next week. Doom, 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 doom. Now this is the story. Okay, I'm stopping. Have you, have you heard like the the, the full version? version? Yeah, they play like, at the club sometimes. No, I'm talking about the one like the actual. Have you seen like the the song, the, the TV show with the with it played out when he's on that plane? Because because it just shows. Him getting a fight and him in a cab, like yeah, yeah. He didn't take a cab from you know Philly to to Galair. Wait, no, no, he didn't. He didn't. <laughs> he gets on a plane, and there's a, there's a, there's a part of the song that he's on a plane. He didn't take a cab from Philly. Shut to up. <laughs> okay, he was on a plane, and what happened? And then he he sing like there's like I don't know like a couple bars of him being on the plane and being yeah, crowded yeah. or whatever. But yeah. They do play in a club uh, in D.C. too. When yeah. they're ready for people to leave, they'll just play that song. I always always think it's funny, like, when they play it at the club and then there's, like, those couple people that just rap the whole thing so intensely. But, like, like the extended version raps. So, like, you know they're at the crib, like, practicing, like, yo, my chance oh, yeah. is going to come up. Like, like, next time I'm downtown, like, it's going to be my time to shine. And I'm going to be great. To impress that one girl who doesn't care. Definitely does not care. She definitely does not care. Oh. Pick a show. Fresh Prince or Martin? Fresh Prince or Martin? I'm gonna say Fresh Prince. Same. Same. Okay. Okay. I don't think... I mean, Martin is definitely funny, but I don't think it has as many good shows. It's, I think... I, yeah, I think... I think I think Fresh Prince has a little more depth, right? Yeah. Um. Uh, let's see. Okay, hold on. Maybe I can give you one. Let's see. Uh, um, Cosby Show or A Different World? I know that's heavy. E. I'm gonna go for A Different World just because mm. Cos- Cosby Show. When if they're both great shows, but I think. Yeah, different world. I, I just, yeah, different world. 
I mean, I, I can't argue with that. I mean, I think Different World is fantastic. I think it's a highly underrated show as well. Oh, for sure. Highly for underrated. Sure. Highly do, underrated. Do you remember the sh- speaking of Different World, do you remember the show um, when they were in the middle of the riots? The show in the, the episode? Oh, the episode? Yeah. I'm probably not going to be able to crawl it uh, to be 100 with you. Yeah, Why? that was that, it just reminded me of um, this the uprising that's happening now. Uh, tell me, tell me about it. Like, what, what was it? Um, just talking about people looting and why are you looting? And we shouldn't be doing this type type yeah. stuff. So, um, really good. Just uh, really good I, social commentary. Kind yeah, of thing. and that, just like just like how I think Fresh Prince has really good social commentary as well. Like the episode when when Will and Carlton got pulled over for driving the Benz, and they're mm-hmm. both in jail. Dang. Okay, here's another one. Um, Steve Harvey show or the Jamie Foxx show? Jamie Foxx. Because of fancy? Oh, yeah. Because of fancy. Uh, uh, Gabrielle Bourdois, oh. whatever her name is. Oh, we. Oh, we. She had twins. She had twins? Yeah, she's married to a. Really? Happily? A Frenchman? A Frenchman? Happily? I don't know. You got to ask her. We slide in the DMs. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Let me do one more. Okay. Let's go in Living Color or Chappelle Show. Oh. Do you remember Living Color? Yes, today. Dang. I don't know. Nah, bro. Nah, you <laughs> see, and I just want to point this out because everybody be coming at me like I be shooting shots at Tunday. Tunday shoots his shots back, okay? <laughs> Dang. What was the question? Dang. You know, Living Color all... or Chappelle Show. And Living Color or Chappelle Show. Um so I, I feel like in Living Color went way longer than Chappelle Show. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, cause Chappelle's show had what three full seasons, and then like, uh, it's like three, like two full, or in like yeah, a two part of a it. third. Yeah. And and honestly, just off of that alone, like I really feel like you got to go in Living Color, just because I mean it is longevity of Black excellence, and it's yeah. fucking hilarious. And then you think about all the stars that came out of Living Color. Yeah, yeah. Jim Carrey, yeah. Jamie Foxx, um, Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and then really Chappelle carried that whole thing. Like, I mean, I think, uh, you know, there, the, for, for my lifetime and in my generation, like, I think it's definitely way more quotable, uh, the Chappelle show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, and, and I, and I love it to death, but I got to go living color, man. I, I, I just, uh, although, I don't know. Although a lot of, I don't think you live in color, just like how boondocks and certain parts of, the Chappelle show mm-hmm. couldn't survive in today's, you know, climate. Yeah. Oh, not at all. Definitely, definitely, Eleven Color would not be able to survive. No. Mm-mm. Which is also just a really interesting thing, right? Like, just how some of these shows just, some of them don't necessarily age well or don't kind of grow with the times or whatever. Like, I don't know. It's it's interesting. Have you ever, um, listened, have you ever gone back and listened to to Eddie Murphy's Raw stand-up? It's been a minute, but I feel like I did it in the past three years, and I mean, listen I still... To it, listen to it when you get a chance. Like, it's it's funny, but... It's hilarious. Certain parts are cringeworthy, because he uses certain, certain language, you're like, 
Yeah, like there'd be a lot of f bombs. Like yeah, the, like yeah. I think and I think that was, I think there's a lot of that, in a lot of old uh, comedy stuff that was mm-hmm. around. Like they, they, it was very prevalent. Yeah, I'm not judging them because this is like in the eighties. It's, it's the times, yeah. Like, yeah. And, and you know that's like the one thing with cancel culture that really like, kind of, leaves me uncomfortable. It's like, at the time. You know that people weren't up in arms about it, you know, and you know, okay, it's easy to retroactively go and you know incriminate somebody for something they did in the past, but it's like, you know, you you're not going back incriminating everybody for existing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think, I think it also depends on. I think it also depends on how far in the past. Like if it was oh, like a year ago. Well, yeah, no, like, for sure. But if it's 20 years ago. Oh yeah. 40 years ago, like. Yo, okay, you said some insensitive stuff, but like, what's your life been looking like since then? Right? Okay, one more, one more. I got one more. Okay. Uh, uh, okay. So I don't know how much you had an affinity for this show, but okay, everybody hates Chris. Yeah. Or the Bernie Mac show. Everybody hates Chris. Really? Yes. Over the king. Sorry. The king of comedy. Oh. Yeah, wasn't the the biggest fan of the Bernie Mac show, but every his Chris oh, was so funny to me. Honestly, dog, like I got called little dude from across the street my entire time of high school, or at least my my first two years of high school. Damn, which would have been right in the middle of everybody hates Chris's run, because it ended in two thousand nine, and I started high school in. I'm not gonna say. Twenty fourteen. Okay, don't 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 let me come to the screen. Don't let me come to the screen for <laughs> I had degrees in 2014. You ain't gonna play me. You ain't gonna play me. Um, no, nah, I started in 2006. So, bro, you did, weren't you like getting your PhD in 2006? Sure was. I was like, I was, I was starting my second year of grad school. Tunde, I was starting high school. That's cool. Life, man, ain't that crazy? And look at us now. Look at look how far you've fallen. Right back. <laughs> and look what life is taking you. You're here talking to me all, through some gosh doggone microphones oh, man. about nothing. See, like I said on the pre-show, should have snuck out the house. Oh man. Oh man. All right, man. So. With- I think we should. I think that'd be a good time to kind of introduce our guest. Yeah, no, good idea, good idea, good idea. So, all right, listeners, uh, as we alluded to in the intro, uh, we're super excited um, to have our first guest on the show, uh, Ian Williams. So, Ian is a father, Bay Area sportscaster, and a former 49ers defensive lineman. He was a member of the team starting in the 2011 season, stretching all the way to 2016 after his impressive career as a Notre Dame Irish football player. Some of his main accolades during his time at the 49ers include being a member of the 2012 and 2013 playoff teams, as well as being named the defensive captain for the team in 2015. Ian today is a respected voice and analyst for the NBC Sports Bay Area, as well as an active member in the Bay Area community. So without further ado, uh, we recorded our interview. We're going to kick it over there and let you guys hear our conversation talking about a lot of the things 
the recent news with the NFL and uh, get his take on it and his expertise. So here we go. So, all right, welcome back, Summer 16 listeners. As we said, we got uh, a friend of the show, Ian Williams, on here, man, um, to talk a little NFL with us. Um, so we did a little, we did a little intro, um, but you know, just hearing from you, Ian, like you know, just tell us a little bit more about yourself. Like I know I have a relationship with you, and you know, uh, but you know, who who are you, just for for folks that haven't already heard? Well. What do you, well, you got to give me some questions. I can't just like just ramble because I ramble for 20, 30 minutes. You know, so you got to give me some like some straight up questions. Like, where am I from? Like, high school? Like, like what's up? Yeah, no, exactly that, man. Um, so, where are you from? How long have you been out in the Bay Area? And what brought you out here? What keeps you out here, right? Uh, all right. So, from Orlando, Florida, we're out to my springs, uh, to be more exact, uh, with the Lyman High School out there, uh, played multiple sports. Uh, played at Notre Dame for a few years up in South Bend, and then uh, came out here to San Francisco. I played out here for six years, uh, and uh, unfortunately, I had an ankle injury, so I had to retire it. And um, I was fortunate enough to come to step behind the camera. I'm kind of been doing the, that to be my third year. Um, covering the Niners and uh, doing NBC Sports Bay Area now, so it's been uh, it's been fun, and that's what's uh, kind of keeping me out here. Besides uh, my kids and uh, my family, but besides that, uh, I wish it was cheaper, like Florida. I tell you that. Oh man, definitely, definitely. Do you still have most of your family out there in Florida, or yeah. do you get to go back very often? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my mom, aunts, like cousins, pretty much everybody. My whole uh, family's either from Monticello, which is a uh, a small town outside of uh, Tallahassee, and then my mom, uh, she was born in Fort Lauderdale, so uh, I got family all up and down the coast, all up and down the state. Definitely, man, definitely. Uh, what, are you gonna, what are you about to say, Tunde? I say that's what's up. Uh, for what I know about football, I know like a lot of football players are from, are like you know born out of Florida, so uh, that's not surprising to hear that you're that you're, that you're from Florida. Yeah, Florida's a big state with football, obviously, because uh, it's one, it's a big state. We got Miami, uh, Tallahassee's a hotbed, uh, Orlando, Tampa's a hotbed, and we play football uh, pretty much year round. Uh, I think Florida, I think Texas, and a couple other states have spring football. A lot of, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of states don't have spring football where um, we actually go out for, for roughly a month and we have actual like training on the field and with pads ads and we have a game um stuff like that and i don't think a lot of states uh, do that so uh, a lot of uh recruiting uh um recruiters they come to orlando or to come to like past like the big cities and um a lot of the times one time they'll all meet up at one school and they'll play like a half and then the next two teams will play a half and the next two teams will play a half so recruiters come down there and they have a day. They set up all day from uh, from probably like 10 o'clock in the morning to 7 o'clock at night just watching uh, high school football team that they can possibly get to their school. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, I think I think actually California might be one of those states that does spring football too since the weather's always so nice, right? It's usually these warm weather so. places. Man, so the real... So the, 
Well, the the real question is, man, how do you go from beautiful beaches in Florida all the way to to Notre Dame? How did how did that work out? Uh, they recruited the hell out of me. You know, uh, Coach Weiss, who was there at the, at the time, Charlie Weiss, who yeah, uh, he was with New England for a couple of <clears throat> for a few years. Uh, uh, worked with Tom Brady, uh, got that offense into you know what it was and what it's been and. Uh, he was a Notre Dame grad. As soon as he to come back to Notre Dame, he took it and uh, he down that he got a chance to uh, when he would do his recruiting and stuff like that. And it's pretty cool to have a head coach like um, so. You know, he came by my school multiple times. You know, at this point, he had two or three. Super Bowls, Super Bowl mm. rings. So just imagine being a 15, 16, 17-year-old kid, you know, uh, a Super Bowl winning coach coming into your high school, you know, sitting down with you privately and, you know, had, letting you hold a Super Bowl ring and kind of talking to you about, uh, you know, what you want to do after football or um, how far do you want to go in football and just to talk about certain things that you're going to have to deal with, like, cold weather you know you're you're gonna have to eventually play in cincinnati or new york or um or some other cold weather teams seattle seattle uh, yeah uh, you know different different uh buffalo new england you know um, these teams that you're gonna have to play against from time to time you're gonna have to get used to that weather so um, that was one of the big recruiting pitches that he used against me and uh it worked you know because i felt the same way you know i needed to be prepared for everything not only uh, being able to you know, have my academics in, in line, but also be able to play great football and uh, and then, you know, deal with, you know, the weather element that I never wanted to deal with. No, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a yeah, that's actually a really good selling point too. I never actually thought about it like that. Um, so one of the interesting things you brought up and like, so I'll just say like for myself, like I played football my whole life. That's my first love. I never really did it at a high level, but you know, I'd like to think I was a little nice with it. You know, um, but one of the things you alluded to is, you know, being prepared. And, and one of the things that I took away from football is how, you know, a lot of it kind of translate to just real life. Right. Like in how you kind of move through the world just as a man. And so, you know, obviously we're all hyper aware of what's going on in the world around us and things like that. Like, do you find like any of this stuff, you know, from your experience playing football as an athlete, now as a father, how that translates to the world today and in how that informs your decisions and the things you do? Uh, being competitive, you know, always okay. trying to strive and, and, and uh, be the best that you could be, uh, you know, Competition, dealing with competition, knowing how to work amongst others, you know, towards one goal, teamwork, uh, you know, nutrition. There's there's so much that, that you take from this sports period. It doesn't matter. It doesn't need to be football. It can be basketball. Sure. It can be tennis. It can be whatever sport, but it just teach you dis- teaches you discipline because you need to be disciplined to be able to be very good at your craft. Mm. Um, so little things like that, you know, you take away, you know, discipline, teamwork, uh, competitiveness, uh, preparedness, you know, whatever it may be. You know, a lot of people take away, you know, that from the game. And I feel like that's helped me translate to uh, dealing with adversity, uh, which is, you know, having a career ending injury and then being able to step into another uh, side of the game and 
uh, being able to flourish in that, you know. So um, I feel like sports in general, football in general, has gotten me prepared for what life really is. And it's pretty much ups and downs, uh, momentum swings, and uh, adversity strikes. Yeah. I mean, adversity is one of the things that I think um, it's it's never ending, right? And so constantly being able to take what life throws out, takes what take what life throws at you, you know, and 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 keep pushing forward, and you know, push through, right? Not just mm-hmm. um, you know, staying um, you know, stagnant or comfortable where you're at. Exactly. Um, you know, one of the things um, you know, you and I personally have you know been doing just in the San Jose community. Is you know being very active and you know a lot of the uh, a, a raising of awareness, right, uh, for a lot of the injustices and stuff that go on. Like, uh, would you like to talk to any of that at all? Like, just what that's kind of meant to you as a part of the being a part of the Bay Area community in such a, a visible way. Like, how has that kind of felt, you know, over the past several weeks? Um, well, obviously, uh, I would never have wanted to it to get like this or go down this path, you know, obviously I would have loved for George Floyd to still be alive and not, not, not have happened or COVID not have happened, but this this is the world that we're living right now. This is the post COVID and post, you know, George Floyd and uh, Rayshard Brooks, you know, and so many other Breonna Taylor's, this is the post world that we're going to be living in. So um, I got kids, you know, eventually you guys will have kids. I know you guys have family members that, yeah, may yeah. have you know succumbed to some sort of uh, police brutality or misprofiling or just you know being bothered with when you haven't done anything. So it's more of you know trying to do my part because you know we've all you know gone through social studies or you know American history, African American history during Black History Month, and we've learned about the struggle and the civil rights movement and stuff like that, and. Uh, we've all like dreamt about, you know, Harriet Tubman and you know so many others uh, that you know fought and pretty much you know gave up their well-being, their lives for you know us to be able to coexist like we do now. Um, and my thing is, we fantasized, we learned about that in school, and now this is our chance, really, as adults, to be a part of a movement that will eventually be written about in history books because this year is going to go down as a uh, a game-changing kind of year in, in American history, uh, yeah. everything that's going on. So, you know, why not want to be a part of history? And you may not have a, a story or a book written about you, but you being out there holding up that sign, letting people see you honk, uh, letting them see your face, letting them see your energy, your spirit, pretty much every time that you can when you're out there, uh, you're seeing these young, uh, these young generations kind of stepping up because, you know, they're waking up. They're using their technology that's around them, and yeah, uh, I feel like you know that's where a lot of the movement is coming from. This the, the younger generation and uh, myself. You know, I can't be out there every day. I wish I could. My ankle uh, doesn't allow me. But you know, just seeing those young kids just makes me uh, inspired to want to be out there and try to uh, lead them. Not not lead them, but just follow in their presence but make sure they're you know they're being um conductive with their time and what they're doing yeah not trying to break things not trying to vandalize not trying to lose that's besides the point that's that's deferring from where we're trying to get to the the solution in the finish line that we're trying to get to so um i felt like it was my duty to be able to go out there and you know risk risk my well-being because that first time i went out there i think it was a friday 
um, mm-hmm. weeks ago when uh, yep. there was an officer that was punched um, downtown San Jose. Uh, and I saw that on CNN. I, I woke up like middle of the day, you know, saw it on CNN. I was like, oh, I didn't know they were out here protesting. This. I was mm-hmm. like, All right, this is crazy. I need to go down here, uh, make sure, you know, it's not going on because I've never been about the looting and the rioting. I understand it. Of course, of I course. I understand the yeah. why, but I've never been about that. Um, and that was my thing for going out there, just trying to make sure that the peace was kept and our word and our energy and our collectiveness and our togetherness would show to the cops that we're not animals. We're just like you. Yeah. Um, just because you put a uniform on doesn't mean you're any different than us. You're supposed to be here to protect and serve us, not to brutalize or uh, uh, harm on us way. or whatever. Yeah. Like that. yeah. So uh, this has been a blessing to be able to go out there and, and you know, give my time and, uh, and and see these young kids really step into a role that they were kind of thrust in and knowing how 2020 was about to start. It was about to be 2020 <laughs> or something. About to be yeah. 2020. <laughs> and then all of a sudden these young high school, college kids, young 20 year olds are kind of thrust into a position where, mm-hmm. you know, they need to be activists now or they, yeah. need to be, you know, nutritionists now or, you know, figure out a different way to make money, make ends meet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they were kind of thrown into a loop where. I'm seeing these kids really shine and really step into a uh, uh, a position of power, and, it, and it's been a, a blessing to see. You know, man, I, I just want to, you know, you know, kind of second the sentiment you just made, right? Like, you know, I've been out there with you on a, on a couple of occasions, you know, in these protests, and I I will say that, um, you know, I've I've I personally have appreciated like just being out there with you and your presence because I think one of the things you said that really stands out to me is that idea of that we're here to kind of spread a message, right? We're here to 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 take that energy and, and get people, you know, excited for that change. But you do see that there are some people that will like they want to just go sit in the middle of the street and 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 be a nuisance. And you know, I've seen you go and say, hey man, like that's not what we're here for. Like get up. Get up. Yeah. We're out here we're out here yeah. trying to, you know, let voices be heard. Like, stop, stop all that other extra stuff. Come here and like, and fight with us. Not like make it make our job harder, right? And yeah. like, I have the utmost respect for that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and it's more. It's not like they're disrespecting the movement or the cause. It's sure. I understand what they're what they're doing. I understand mm-hmm. they they're out there to protest, and protest means disruption. Sure. You know, they're out there not to stand and let people drive by and honk and go about their day because they're a. a, a, a supporter of the person in the office right now or they don't feel a certain way about black lives matter whatever like that i understand i understand what you're doing i fully Mm -hmm. understand Mm -hmm. but once you start to disrupt that way now now 5-0 is going to have a problem with you being in the in the in the roadway because now you're a liability to yourself and other people around you especially in those cars so now the police have to come out and they have to do their job to get you out of the street because any other time you can't sit in the street like that and it's be a uh, uh, obstruction of justice or uh, just sitting there you know what i'm saying so definitely um, it was more of my thing just to hey you know we're we're here we don't want the cops here so that we can be free we mm-hmm. don't have to worry about uh these tear gases these little flash bombs and these rubber bullets that hurt and have done a lot of damage mm-hmm. uh, for people who've stayed on on top of the news with everything that's been going on uh, you know, we don't want that out here. So we want to continue to obviously let our voices be heard and let us be seen out here. And we don't want to have to deal with Bible having to come out here and show their power. Because at the end of the day, what 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 is your cardboard sign going to do to a flash bomb or, or uh, <laughs> right? Yeah. They ain't gonna do nothing. Preach. So, uh, keep it, keep it. You know, keep it constructive and, and come to the side and 
let these cars go and, and let's, you know, be here in peace. There's protests in peace. 100%, man, for sure. So, so uh, Ian, speaking of uh, protests, I kind of want to keep on the same um, topic, but switch gears just a little bit. Um, recently, you made um, some comments or response to uh, Drew Brees. Um, so if you know, you're listening and you don't know the comments that Drew Brees uh, made, he was uh, asked if, uh, if he felt or thought or supported uh, players this upcoming season, would, they, would he support them kneeling um, during the national anthem to protest uh, police brutality and systematic racism? And uh, Drew Brees said that he felt that players kneeling would um, be disrespecting the flag. And a number of, of NBA, NFL players, also NBA, um, spoke out against uh, Drew Brees, including y- yourself. Um, so uh, we know that you played in, in the NFL. Um, if you were a teammate of Drew Brees, how do you think that would have uh, affect the locker room going forward into the season? Uh, at that time, you know, it definitely would have affected the locker room. A, a few of his teammates came out and actually said something. They went on Twitter, uh, Alvin Kamara, uh, Michael Thomas, and uh, Emmanuel Saunders, who was a, uh, a player out here for a few years. Um, he's with uh, New Orleans now, and they all you know, went to Twitter. Cameron Jordan, a couple, another guy went to Twitter and kind of voiced their uh, displeasure for how Drew Brees, you know, uh, what he feels and what he said. You know, uh, you can't really – dog him as much because he's done a lot in that community but you can't he, he can't be that tone deaf in a time of what it is and what has been going on just just to fully answer that question like that knowing the repercussions that he's going to have especially the ripples he's going to have through that locker room you know we're, we all have the right to you know believe what we want and stuff like that if you want to believe that you know keep it keep it up but you know what uh not not keep it up but you know keep it privately you know yeah uh, but i feel like it was the best thing that happened because it created a discussion that you know a lot of people don't like to have or a lot of people you know try to shy around uh, you know to yeah. try to hero step around like no this is a conversation we need to get back to talking again because we have a quarterback who was in the league when kaepernick was playing that yeah. Something, you know, he said the same thing four years ago. He just hasn't changed. But you would have hoped a guy like Drew Brees and that stature and, and his uh, his following would have tried to educate himself just a little bit more, knowing that he has black athletes that are teammates that he throws the ball to, that he relies heavily on to understand where they're coming from. If you donate to these communities, but you are so tone deaf to understand what the protest that Cap was doing, you don't understand that. You still think it was about the flag, but you donate to these communities in New Orleans. You see what I'm saying? You see where I'm yeah. going? Like, yeah, yep. something, yep. something's means, missing, right? Yeah, That means you're throwing your money around without you actually being there and understanding the money that you're donating, what, what it's going to, what it's going to help, who it's going to. Yep. You know, this is the community it's going to. So it was just, it took me back, and I'm sure, I'm sure it took a lot of guys back. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry. Um, I'm sure it took a lot of guys back that, you know, wow, like a leader like this in the NFL really thinks like this. He really hasn't tried to open his eyes to what's been going on. And he still think cap kneel, kneeling is like a protest to the flag. And no, 
Like that was yeah. people misconstruing what Cap was doing. Cap yeah. was protesting police police brutality, and it was just the fact that Drew just couldn't see that, and it took for people to actually call him out on that. It was like, bro, you are a nearly forty year old man. I think he yeah, uh, nearly forty years. He's about old. forty. Yeah, he's about forty. Yeah, nearly forty years old. You've been around black athletes your whole whole athletic career. And to tell me that you think that it's like this either tells me one thing. Either you think this way or mm. you're just really ignorant. Mm. You know so I think at the time he was really – I don't, I don't think Drew is that way. I think being around black athletes and what he's done for that community and other communities, I don't think he's that way. But it was just tone deaf and it was disappointing for a high-profile athlete uh, in his position to just be so tone deaf and just be so ignorant to a point where – you see people struggling. You see people dying left and right. You've seen all these videos, Drew. Don't tell me you're living under a rock, bro. Yeah. Like, don't tell me you've been seeing your 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 co uh, your your teammates dealing with this, mm-hmm. you know, left and right. Just come on now, like you yeah. know, wake up. And I feel like he's kind of waking up and he's had some apologies. And I feel like you know there is um, a light at the end of the tunnel. And I feel like these are the things that need to happen. Uh, for this country to really make some change and us to really get in, get into the right direction. Yep. Something interesting that you said was that it's forcing people to have this this conversation now. Before we uh, you got on, me and John were talking about the ESPYs last night, and literally from beginning to the end of the ESPYs, it was, you know, they were saying the names of people who who were killed by police and police brutality or victims of police brutality, and. They talked about Breonna Taylor and the the officers who still haven't been um, arrested yet. And they even had Pete Carroll was on and a number of coaches that came on and said that, you know, protesting, kneeling is not about the it's not it's not about the flag. And I don't think that they would have been as comfortable saying that if it weren't for that backlash to Drew Brees and make and making it more acceptable to come out and say that. Yeah. Uh, and people like like I said, you know, people have their right to their opinion. Their beliefs, you know, whatever like that. But, you know, when your beliefs come at a time of ignorance or your beliefs are ignorant to the fact of not understanding the whole world around you and the the, the multiplicity of people around you, you know, when you start to get people like Pete Carroll and other high-profile coaches and athletes around, you know, especially for a special event like the ESPYs. Speaking of ESPYs, they didn't even advertise. I didn't even know the ESPYs was on. <laughs> uh, I just heard about it on Twitter, you know. There you uh, go. But yeah, I feel like that that backlash that Drew uh, Drew got in him, you know, actually, you know, thinking about his 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 words and uh, that interview, I feel like it it really did, you know, strike a chord with a lot of people to where maybe they felt that way, and maybe now because. They've never been racially profiled. They've never really dealt with what we've dealt with on mm-hmm. a daily basis, maybe from time to time. They've never really studied or paid attention to it. But a person like Drew Brees coming out and saying something, maybe that woke them up to where, wow, okay, a lot of our guys have dealt with this? Okay, well, well, Pete Carroll, of course. You were at USC where a lot of black athletes have mm-hmm. come in out of those uh, those, 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 those doors. Uh, he's in Seattle. He's still in Seattle. He's had a lot of black athletes. He's led a team to a Super Bowl and a Plenty of other coaches and uh, players that spoke uh, for the uh, for the SBs last night. You know, I feel like this whole conversation is just really starting to just simmer because you know Drew Brees kind of was like the sacrificial lamb and like, hey, bro, it is what it is. You actually came out and said something, and you know, you got you. you we we tore a new one in you, 
But, <laughs> but for the most part, you know, how do things, you know, repair themselves? You got to be torn to kind of repair yourself. So uh, it's, it, it, I feel like it's everything's starting to really move in the right direction. Okay. Yeah, no, that's a that's a really good point, man. And, you know, I think you you made a lot of really good points. And so, you know, one of the things that's interesting or always stands out to me is, you know, he has come out and since then, like, kind of offered his apology. And, you know, and I think... Okay, yeah, that's nice. And, you know, words, words are always, you know, pretty and you kind of get that spank on the butt, right? Uh Uh, But, you know, and Tunde and I kind of have had chats about this, you know, just throughout our time, too. It's like, do you think people are actually going to forgive him? Do you think that we're too easy to forgive him? Like, do we let him off the hook too easy? You you put a nice, you know, post up on Instagram and a little letter out there on social media. And it's like, oh, you know, Drew, you've been a good guy, man. Like, we know that's not your heart, and then you know you just let it go. Like, do you do you feel like there's a sense of that? You that was his heart. That was the thing, though. That was his heart. That's who he. That's who he is, and that's what he felt at that time because he was ignorant. He was blind to the fact of what's mm-hmm. been going on. But now that he's been called out, he's kind of you know done some research and he's kind of awakened it because he wouldn't just release a statement like that, mm-hmm. you know, with just just being blinded to the the fact of what he's being called out for. So I feel like. Uh, with your question, it's it's just very eye opening to the fact that he still like he had the audacity to the audacity to say like my grandfather, you know, his grandfather fought in the wars and you know they didn't fight for people to take the knee for the flag and stuff like that. It was just the fact that like Drew, you are very smart, you are very educated. For sure, Obviously, you conduct yourself in the pocket like a like everybody. These kids grow up to try to have footwork and uh, the mental uh, grasp of the game, like you do. For and sure, to be this blind and this you know this tone tone deaf to what's going on, it was just mind blowing because your grandfather and they, and his grandfather fought for equality and fought for the flag for that to be able to protect everybody in the United States, not just a certain people, Preach. not just a group of people, not just mm-hmm. 90% of people, not 99% of people, everybody. You know what I'm saying? So it was just like, wow, bro, like you just, you just throwing that out there, huh? And yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was, it was surprising. And, you know, this is the, uh, this is the Hollywood version of it. You know, I'm sure, you know, once he gets into that locker room, and and guys actually see him face to face because he hasn't seen his, his black teammates face to face. I don't know if he's throwing the ball to him or not. I don't know. Sure. But I'm sure once training camp starts and he has to be around these guys day in and day out, it's gonna take him a while to win their trust back and win their hearts back and win mm. that fight and that grit back because now being an offensive lineman, third and ten, I need to hold this double team. I need to hold this defensive tackle from penetrating and sacking my quarterback. Like, do I need to hold him that much? Uh, <laughs> he did say some foul stuff this offseason. So I don't know if I'm going to work as hard. You know, he throws the ball over the middle to Michael Thomas. And, you know, that that DB that wants to break someone's ribs, you know, Drew, don't throw the ball high. And Drew throws the ball high. And Michael's like, eh, you know, I don't know if I'm going to go get that. You know, yeah. little things like that sink in. So it's going to be interesting to see once everything starts back to really see the true effect, like the real, real effect once you're around these people, because, you know, it's, it's all fun and games when it's like on the phone, you can cut it off and go back to your family and stuff like that. But when you're actually face to face with these black uh, athletes that you, you know, were just blind 
to the fact of what they've been dealing with and what their community has been dealing with, um, it's going to be interesting to see what actually really happens once you know, the season actually starts. Yeah, no, it definitely hits different. It hits different. And so, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, Drew Brees and his whole thing. Um, but, you know, the NFL as a whole, like many different businesses around the world, you know, they've tried to come out and and sh- show their support and, you know, raise their, you know, figurative fists, right? And so the, you know, the, the most recent news that I've seen, right, is that, you know, they've, they've dedicated $250 million, right? I think, I want to say over 10 years yes. to, to bring awareness, dialogue, you know, renewed direction and conversation of racial and social inequality, right? And, you know, you've even had Roger Goodell come out and very openly speak about like, oh, you know, it's really unfortunate what happened to Colin Kaepernick. Like he deserves a job in this league, blah, 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 and so on and so forth. So, you know, the the first question that I will ask, um, since, you know, you actually interacted with Colin personally, right? Um, you know, how does, if if you were in his position, like how would that sort of sound, right? Does that kind of detract from his movement? You know, as a player, as a leader that you know, would he be able to come back? Is that even like a real possibility four years later? Uh, yeah, he's still young. You know, Tom Brady's still in the league. He's, what, 41, 42, 43. Drew Brees is up there. Phillip Rivers is a starting quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. He's up there in age. Um, there's a lot of quarterbacks who are up there. and He's 31, 32. I know he's a little bit older than me. And he still has plenty of years left because quarterbacks nowadays, they're playing until they're 40. 40s anyway, you know, because, you know, the, the game's kind of changed to kind of protect them. So uh, can he play? Yes, he can. You know, does he get the opportunity? That's the question. You know, there's there, is there a team out there that's willing to kick the tires uh, on a guy who hasn't played in four years or hasn't really been in an NFL game, NFL type situation for a few years? He's been dealing with other things off the field, you know. Do you want to, as a uh, as an owner, do you want to deal with the backlash that you're going to get, you know, because no matter what, you know, if you sign him, you're going to get, you're going to lose fans who are just so ignorant to the fact of what's going on and it was not, had nothing to do with the flag. They're going to leave, you know, and, and support other teams or not watch the games or come to the stadiums or whatever like that, you know what I'm saying? So these are all things that, you know, teams have thought about uh, before signing him. And I hope a team, you know, rides by that $250 million proposal um, over 10 years, which is, you know, roughly probably, you know, three to five hundred uh, K a year per team, um, if you really break it down, which is, you know, it's, it's decent. But like the amount of money teams are making, it's it's a drop in know, the bucket, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Two hundred fifty mil. Like they, that's a that's a cap for one team for one year. You know what I'm saying? You know, over 10 years spread out. So, you know, I, I understand the backlash of that and, you know, uh, guys and, you know, uh, people in the media kind of, you know, not feeling that, you know, the NFL did everything that they could do for their black athletes that dominate the sport. Uh, but, you know, it's a start. You know, we can't expect everything to be perfect right now. It's a start. We can always, you know, come up with different initiatives uh, throughout the um, the next CBA and um, our, our players coalition and other guys and the and, uh, players rep for the team, they can still push for, you know, more more money to be dispersed into that community for San Francisco or um, the Miami Dolphins, you know, or Tampa Bay, you know, those cities or those surrounding cities. So 
there's a lot that can be done, you know, within this time span of, you know, what's going on right now and, you know, how it'll, it'll eventually like shake out. But, you know, I feel like it's a good start, you know, and we'll see where it ends and we just got to keep pushing. We can't just let up because they threw some money around or some people threw some money around. You know, we got to keep pushing. We got to keep making change. We got to keep making reform. We got to keep uh, the uh, the foot on the pedal. You know, we, we get, you know, uh, once, you know, it's going to be interesting to see once sports and everything kind of starts back and real normal life actually kicks back in to see who's really, you know, really about this, you know, who's really trying to, you know, hammer home this change and, and make sure this game is one the right, right way and popular. All right. Yes. I mean, I agree with you. I think, you know, it is a good start and you can't like, you know, expect them to just, I think the, the NFL makes about like nine, 10 billion a year. You oh, can't yeah, expect them to like, to give them half of their, their fortune away. But I think, you know, like you said, it is a good, a good start um, towards the right direction. Really, guys, I, I don't know. Like, you know, listening, you know, to both the points you guys made, like the NFL is bringing in a ton of money, and you know, capitalizes on the sweat equity of a lot of you know African American faces and bodies throughout this entire league, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that it's yeah, okay, it's a nice start, but I think there's a lot more that needs to be done, right? You know, each of these each of these organizations is owned by some billionaire owner or some consortium of very wealthy people. And, you know, you'd like to see, you know, institutional change throughout their businesses, throughout their organizations. Right. Like the Rooney rule, as nice as it is, like, is that really getting African-American coaches hired? Like there's still a lot of institutional things that can be done beyond just cutting a check. Right. I don't I don't know. Yeah, for for sure. But I'm I'm speaking just as far as the money's concerned. Um, I think it's a good start for the money. Of course, you know, you would love to see more, you know, minority owners, more minority coaches and all that, but that definitely needs to be changed as well. We'll get there. You know, it, it has to be, you know, obviously, you know, there needs to be a certain billionaire or a certain collective crew of, of people uh, who've uh, accumulated a lot of money over a span and they, you know, go in together and they make a group and they buy a team. You know, I feel like this is going to be the next step in, you know, kind of not taking over, but just, you know, asserting, you know, what the league is. And, and it's pretty much African-American with other uh, races, uh, uh, ethnicities um, kind of sprinkled in. Um, and hopefully, you know, there's a, a, a huge accumulation of money from from guys. And I know, especially in the NBA, I know uh, LeBron is, you know, working on this. LeBron and KD and a lot of the top uh, NBA stars are working on, you know, eventually putting their money together and, and buying a team. So, you know, maybe, you know, eventually NFL players, you know, certain guys, they can bind their money together and, you know, buy a team and kind of run it how, you know, we kind of want to run it, you know, and, and just have some you know, have some input from all races and not just be, you know, strictly, you know, uh, white billionaires. It'd be some black billionaire, uh, billionaires or um, Hispanic or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Just definitely you know. be more diverse, just like just like sports in general is. Everything is, you know, really diverse in sports. So why shouldn't, you know, ownership and, you know, other coaching, uh, coaching positions and um, teaching positions or, you know, whatever positions inside the franchise, you know, why won't, why couldn't those be open to, um, a wide diversity of, of ethnicities too. So um, the the money is 
uh, a start? Um, is it a billion dollars? Is it like, you know, uh, a crap ton of money compared to what their, their revenue is? Uh, yeah, but, you know, uh, like I said, those things can be worked on, you know, individually mm-hmm. through those teams uh, to try to get more money into those areas uh, and make sure it's, uh, you know, constructive. You know, it's just not going somewhere, you know, make sure that money's going somewhere, going somewhere where it sh- should be going. Uh, but uh, the, I think, um, John, you, men- you mentioned the, the Rooney rule. And, you know, I, I know that, you know, African-American coaches are trying to get that rule thrown out because that's kind of a racist rule right there, you know? Really? But oh, wow. You have to... Uh, you have to interview a black coach. Like, what if there's a, a Asian coach? What if there's a Hispanic coach? What if there's a white coach that's qualified for it? Like, you know, like there shouldn't be a Rooney rule. It should just be the best person qualified. You should have, you know, a certain amount of um, uh, perspective coaches mm-hmm. that you want to, you know, come in and uh, do an interview for. And, you know, you go from there. But, you know, I, I understand why the Rooney rule was put in place because. You know, they weren't at that time, you know, they were there were a lot of African-American or other ethnicity coaches that were, you know, doing well with their teams. And they never got any promotions, you know, while, yeah. you know, their white counterparts were getting promotions left and right and weren't producing the same amount of, of numbers or total yardage or uh, production on the field. And, you know, that's where the Rooney Rule came into place. But the fact that that's still in place now, you know, where a lot of African-American coaches are getting hired. Um, either to be the head or defense coordinator or quality control, whatever it may be, you know, I I feel and a lot of coaches feel like that rule should be taken out because it's kind of a slap in the face and it makes you feel inferior that you have to be interviewed um, for a position. So, uh, wow, kind of that's kind of my take on that, and I feel like sure. a lot of uh, coaches in the um, in the in the NFL and um, amongst other sports they feel that way too. Like it should be best man and. If I give you my production, just like in sports, if I go out there and I suck, I shouldn't get a promotion. If I sure. that ball yeah. and I do my job, you know, you ball, you tune day, you, you ball and you do your job. John, you ball and you do your job. You know what I'm saying? You should get promotions. You should get, you know, yeah. uh, you know, a slap on the butt. You should get this. You should get extra things. You know, you should get, you know, that thing that you your your goal is set for. Um, but the yeah. person who's not performing like you are, you know, that's the problem. That's the person that's getting the promotion. You know, you're not performing. So. Um, I just hope the performance starts to come into play and um, coaches actually get hired off of their performance and not just of what they look like or how yeah. well they talk and stuff like that. Can you perform on the field? Can you get your guys to, to work towards one goal? Can you simplify football so that yeah. you guys understand it? Because not everybody's a has a, a, a super high IQ in football. You know, sometimes you got to make it simple for just, hey, just mm-hmm. go right here and catch the ball. <laughs> five yards, turn around and catch the ball, or just set set the edge right here, or just just run and run and go get the ball. You know what I'm saying? Um, you got to have coaches that that can simplify and make the game easy, and those are the coaches who should be getting these, you know, DC and these head coaching jobs. Man, that is, um, you know, a, a really interesting point that you made, and and what I'm kind of hearing is, you know, we just want a a fair playing field, right? At the end of the day, you know, it shouldn't matter that you was on so-and-so's staff and that, you know, such and such is your cousin's brother's niece's aunt or whatever. And like, and this whole sort of, uh, what nepotism, I think that the NFL is notoriously accused of. Right. Um, and you know, just a level playing field. So the Rooney rule, you know, being, you know, expunged one day 
I, I, I kind of completely see where you're coming from. I just think yeah. that the state that we are in now, it almost feels like a necessity because the opportunities aren't being given, right? And exactly. in a perfect world, it's like, yeah, you, you're the best guy. You get the job, no questions asked. But, you know, is that really the world we live in today? Um, it begs the question. Um, but, you know, I think you have a very unique perspective, right? You've, you've been inside of a locker room as a player, you know, and then in your more later years, you know, observing things very critically, very analytically. Um, so you've kind of seen multiple different sides at this point. And while I think the headlines go to the money that's spent or these, you know, Rooney rule type things that people are implementing, but are, is there any like small thing that maybe most people might not be aware of or think of that from your experience you think could make a difference that maybe people aren't talking about? Uh, I would probably say extensions. You know, if you go back through the past five, 10 years, 20 years, if you want to, and you look at players who signed extensions, you know, there's been a lot of difficulty with black athletes signing, signing, signing extensions, you know, really they're, they're getting franchised or, um, they're not getting re-upped for uh, their next contract while their white counterparts are getting extensions or not having to play to the final year of their deal. They're getting extensions after year three or after year four, depending on where they're drafted. And you got, you know, Aaron Donald, you got um, Jamal Adams is another recent guy who, you know, who's one of the best at his position. And uh, he, he hasn't, you know, he's asking for money and the team doesn't even want to pay him. You know, Aaron Donald had to hold out. Um, and you know, the, the, with the new CBA in 2011 that was uh, implemented, that you know eventually if you try to hold out, eventually it's gonna it's a lose lose situation for you because every day that you hold out throughout OTAs, you're losing money. Then every day that you hold out in training camp, you're losing more money. And then you miss a game, you're missing that whole check. So depending on what a guy's making, what Aaron, what Aaron, what's Aaron Donald making? What 20 million a year? So yeah, he's yeah he's getting paid. One, one of his game checks would be a million dollars. Easily. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's a lot of money. You know, so really like the, the league is going to win. The ownership is going to win and you got to come back and you got to start playing again. So uh, that's where, you know, I hope eventually that changes because I'm tired of seeing, you know, um, our black athletes not getting re up when, you know, their stats, you know, speak a lot and their character speaks a lot. It's not like they're out here, you know, acting crazy. Sure. Or, uh, you know, getting uh, jailed or, or, having criminal complaints against them, anything like that is out here playing football um, and they're playing doing their job. Yeah. So, you know, like, you know, pay, pay that man, you know, why make that person, you know, have to stress out or have to deal with going into that final year of the deal? Because you never have an athlete want to go into that final year of the deal because it's like a, it's like being on the franchise tag. It's, it's like being on the, the last year of your deal because you don't know what can happen. You can play eight games and get, and get hurt. And now that's going to hurt you going into next year or, you know, trying to sign with the new team. You know, they're going to hold that against you. You're going to get yeah. less money instead of just me, you know, going into my, before I start that year off, you know, signing an extension. And now I can go into um, my contract of how it should be after after my rookie contract's over. Honestly, man, that's a really good point. You know, even as you were uh, talking about some of the athletes you named, right? Like the first one that popped to my, my mind was Dak Prescott, right? You know, you also have the the situations that went terribly wrong, like Todd Gurley, who, you know, thought that he was going to hold out and get some money and 
ended up getting the short end of the stick. So that's actually a really uh, a, a really interesting point, man. Would would you say that we should get rid of the franchise tag or 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 yes. change it up something? Is that what no. you're kind of saying? Uh, well, especially with the franchise tag, I know a lot of guys really want to get rid of that because it's more for the franchise and the, and the actual ownership than it is the player. Because as a player, you don't ever want to play on a one year deal, even though the money may be uh, a substantial amount because it's like based off what the top three or top five in that position. Um, so it's good money for that year. But if you get injured in that year, especially like a, uh, a very like a season ending injury, like that's going to hurt you going into free free agency. Uh, the following year and now teams are going to, you know, kind of you know, put an asterisk next to you that you had a certain injury, you know, going into uh, free agency and now, you know, they're not going to pay you as much because you had a certain injury or, you know, they're going to backload your money or they're going to put certain incentives or uh, they're going to put certain uh, 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 ways that it can get out of the contract because of that injury. And, you know, it just doesn't work out for the player, you know, a player, you always want to have that long guaranteed deal, you know, I think a lot of us watched uh, uh, the Last Dance with you know Michael Jordan and those guys, and yeah. it's pretty much the only thing that we talked about for a whole week, you know, uh, for for a few weeks because that was all that was on TV. <laughs> and, uh, we all saw Scottie Pippen. You know, he took that long term deal with um, I can't remember the numbers, but it was something like we were like, wow, like Scottie got finesse. He signed yeah. a long <laughs> deal, but he but you didn't know about what was going on with Scotty and his family how he had you know multiple people in his home that were disabled so you know he needed money right now he wanted that security of having you know money for multiple years and not just oh let me just make it big or or uh have these four years uh in my rookie deal no like I want like a long term deal with this team so that my family is you know financially taken care of so you know, these are the things that athletes deal with, and this is why they want long-term deals as quickly as possible uh, because it secures them and their families for, you know, financial uh, uh, success. And then, you know, obviously injury and uh, other things along that nature. So uh, I'm hoping, you know, eventually I know this uh, collective uh, collective bargaining agreement uh, this past year that uh, was finally ratified and, uh, and signed uh, – they were pushing very, very hard to try to get rid of the the franchise rule, but you know teams are obviously they have that that upper hand because they got the money, and you know we just got the we don't got the money, so sure uh, gonna, a lot of times they're going to win that battle. But I'm hoping you know this next go around in 2030 or was it 2029 uh, where the next CBA is up that, that we fight harder and maybe it's different times in and maybe we get a, we get that franchise tag uh, uh, abolished and. You know, we can kind of, you know, once guys get into their third or fourth year of their contract, you know, either you're going to sign them back or you're not. You can know, you pay these guys or be ahead of your books a couple years uh, in advance and not just, you know, actually string guys out to see how much or how well they perform, see if you want to bring them back. Like they perform for they perform for four years. How many years do I need to show you that I can perform? You know, give me my money and let me take care of my family and myself because I've taking care of you and your family and your franchise and your team for the past three, four years, you know, so like take care of me, you know what I'm saying? So uh, I'm hoping that it's getting, you know, that way where eventually, like I said, in 2029 and CBA, they can work on that and they can get that, that taken out of the, the CBA. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, uh, pay people what they're worth. Yeah, exactly. seriously. I mean, I think the, the biggest horror story I've heard of anything like that is Isaiah Thomas, right, from the Celtics. 
yeah, gave man. that franchise everything, man. And he was on a a, a ridiculously underpaid deal. And now yeah. my man's is a journeyman, right? Can't yeah. find any sort of opportunities of of lucrative value, right? So yeah, no, that's a really good so that's, uh, really good insight, yeah. And that's why, and that's why these, you know, and I always try to explain both sides because I try to understand both sides. Um, I try to understand a player and understand you know, no business sense and um, company wise. Like obviously, you wouldn't want a player. You would try to, you know, pay as late as you can, you know. Um, and that's how owners are. That's why I saw a lot of teams are. And you know, looking how it is now, you know, who actually won out on that deal? Like was the Celtics, right? This is why they don't like this. Why teams don't like to pay you know, uh, extensions to guys because, you know, like they would have been, you know, look at their team now with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, uh, uh, what's his name, Kimball Walker, and, you know, that th- those guys, you know, they, they wouldn't have been able to sign Kimball Walker if Isaiah Thomas would have been there with this, um, you know, I don't know how his hip is, you know, he hasn't, I don't know if he's fully recovered from sure. uh, that hip injury, you know, like they would be literally, you know, one of, they would be probably middle of the pack in the in the East because of, you know, a guy like, you know, Kimball Walker didn't sign for that with that team because they don't have the money. Exactly. Because it's tied up elsewhere. And a guy who, you know, we thought was going to be the guy, but had an injury and, you know, uh, looking back at it, you know, on the, on the, like they kind of want out. And like I said, this is why they, they do that. They don't want that. They don't want that baggage or that just anchored hanging on to them or just, Oh, this is why we tried to hold out and pay these guys. <laughs> a guy like Isaiah Thomas or a guy like, I'm sure there's other examples where, you know, a, a, a guy, you know, doesn't sign a contract and he ends up getting injured. And I'm like, yep, this is why we didn't sign him and stuff like that. So just, sure. I hate it for the player, but I understand why the teams do it. You know, they're a business, you know, they, how do businesses work? I think we know how businesses work. And obviously they're going to, uh, they're one of the best in the world to to do it. So they understand how, how, how to make it happen. For sure. Um, so Ian, uh, again, thank you for coming on to the show, um, talking about your views on sports and social justice and your family. But before we get you out of here, uh, each week, what we do is at the end of our show, we do an AVM segment where we give our listeners a recommendation, a audio, a visual and a mental recommendation. Um, so we're going to ask you as our first guest to, uh, kind of provide us something that you've uh, listened to, watched, or read um, that you can recommend? Uh, you need all three of those or just like just one example? We do all three, baby. Yeah. <laughs> all, right, so, all right. So so which one should I start? So, uh, which one should I start with? Rock with audio first. Yeah. All right. So audio uh, audio would be what? Like a podcast or like radio? Yeah. Or, or, or a song or an album. album. Yeah. Song or album. Uh... I would have to say I've been I've been on Juice World lately. You know, uh, he's he's been my guy for, you know, I, I, I hated to see what happened with him and yeah. how, how he died. But, you know, I was really on his music, you know, roughly like a year ago. And, you know, I've been on his music, you know, just bumping it in the car when I'm in the shower, whatever like that throughout the crib. And I, I just miss a guy like that because he had so much talent in just a short time that he was able to really put some music out. Like, he had grabbed me. You know, I'm a 30-year-old man. This <laughs> teenager, you know, his music and, you know, kind of not exactly what he was talking about, just but w- what his meanings were, you know, how he talked and, you know, um, 
uh, it was just, it, it just went well. And I, I liked the music. I liked the rhythm, like the beats. I just like how he switched up, how he was talking, you know, and stuff like that. So, uh, and I feel like he would have been, uh, I was never a big concert guy. Yeah. Uh, but I went to what Drake's concert, you know, when he was out here early in the decade, last decade. And, um, uh, Kanye's when he he was at uh, the goat. Uh, yeah, when he was at uh, at Oracle, his last uh, big concert, uh, big album that he released, uh, and, and it was like amazing. You know, saying yeah. so, I can only imagine. You know, a guy like Juice World and uh, what you know he would have been able to bring to the table to a concert, and and how great of a performer he would have been. Was is there a specific like song or album of his that you uh, typically gravitate it's, towards? Uh, I mean, all his albums are really good, and then okay. there's a lot of unreleased music on SoundCloud and like YouTube that you know you can bump to and you can kind of just kind of vibe to and yeah, you know, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. down and, and 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 be on some chill stuff. You know, what I'm saying it don't got to be like all rock star, super bass or just <laughs> uh, curse words here and there, left and left and right. You know, it's just kind of like this stuff that he's going through and. You know stuff that he's you know he's dealt with, and he's just kind of talking about it and stuff like that. Depression and uh, ups and downs, and yeah. you know, how how he dealt with it. Not saying that hey, that was the correct way to deal with it, but you know he dealt with you know the fame and uh, all the types of things. You know he used you no know, drugs and, and and other types of things, and sure. um, you know he talked about that. So it was interesting to see you know. You know, why he started to do certain things and how he talked about it, how he incorporated it into his music. And, you know, it was just interesting to see, you know, how he could be so young, but be able to tie his music and his love for uh, talking about his, uh, his experience. Yeah. 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 Um, and be able to tie all that in and, and still, you know, he was on drugs, you know, 90% of the time, but, yeah. <laughs> get a clear message out and, and make a make a legit you know album and make a song that you know still you know i'm gonna be bumping you know probably for the rest of my life you know what i'm saying talking about juice world when i'm 60 years old bumping some juice world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. awesome sure. all right um, audio juice world. uh say it again what you said visual yeah visual uh visual i like to say um i've been on youtube bro. i go down the the rabbit of the, the rabbit hole of YouTube sometimes at two, three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning when I, if I can't sleep or throughout the day, if I got extra time and, uh, with everything going on right now, it was just cool to go back through, uh, YouTube and kind of like do my own kind of research and really educate myself because, you know, I feel like that's the next step as in, you know, changing the world is teaching our youth correctly and not, you know, watering down what history really was you know what i'm saying like a lot of these kids eight nine ten twelve years old they know all the curse words in the book they know they seen you know hbo after dark they seen cinema they seen all this stuff you know what I'm saying? Like they have phones they have ipads now they've seen this or they've heard it like let's stop like beating around the bush so let's stop beating around the bush when we're talking about slavery and how uh how disgusting it was and uh, the civil wars and you know, black history and, and, you know, before slavery, you know, you, you've only really talked about, you know, yourself and, and black people, you know, up until where slavery starts, you know what I'm saying? Like what, what happened before slavery? Like what were we doing or what were we before slavery? And these are questions yeah. they didn't really teach you in, 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 in grade school, but you can kind of take uh, advantage of what 
technology is now and kind of get on YouTube or get on Google or whatever and just search and just research everything that you want you know, to learn about. And I, I kind of went through and I found some good videos on YouTube um, just talking about, you know, Egypt, uh, Egypt and, um, you know, their people and, um, you know, Africa and just uh, the beginnings of, you know, uh, African people. And, you know, we were kings and we were queens and we were, you know, a very intelligent, we were a very um, uh, physical, uh, physically, you know, uh, physically built, you know, uh, species, uh, yeah. uh, uh, ethnicity, but we were just, we were very, very great. And yeah. These yeah. are things that aren't taught, you know, to our, to really to my generation or mm-hmm. to generations above me, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it, it was watered down. It was, it was, you know, told by, you know, the victors of, you know, slavery and, you know, the, the victors of certain wars and stuff like that, and not the actual full side of, you know, both sides of, you know, what happened. You know, I want to learn about why the Confederates felt their, that way. I want to learn why the Union, you know, fought and, and, and felt that way. I want to know, know why the, uh, you know, Revolutionary War um, was uh, was so bad for, for Great Britain. I want to learn these other things on the other side of not just the book that they gave us yeah, grade school and just read that and learn that and you know get A's and B's and that. But I want to learn about the other side too because you don't hear about the other side, you know. So, yeah, exactly, um, exactly. Yeah, uh, I can't remember a specific um, video on YouTube, but it was just uh, was there like a but, channel maybe like there's different like channel. History Channel ones and like uh, what the channel? Uh, it was just so you know you you click on one video, next thing you know it's like similar videos that kind of pop up and. You just go down that rabbit hole and it just keeps giving you good video after good video after good video. Well, how about this? You know, do you want to check this out after reading or, or listening to this video? You know, so you might like this. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Next thing you know, you start at one thirty. Next thing you know, it's five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you know? uh, so, this, yeah, that, that's, I think that would be my, my visual. Okay. And the right. last one, you got yes. the mental. Yeah. Ah, <sighs> mental. Um, which your visual was kind of a mental, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna hold you to it though. <laughs> uh, I would say mental. Um, you know, I've been training with uh, Dante Whitner, one of my uh, former teammates, uh, and uh, one of my uh, coworkers now, and you know, training with him these past couple days, these past few days actually. Um, it's gotten my mental uh, back into back into place, I feel like, because sometimes, you know, when you're away from uh, people who you've played with or they just understand there's a different level to things, uh, there's a certain understanding when you're around these people. So when you're not really around these people and you kind of around the, the general population, you know, uh, it's kind of, it's cool, but it's like, you know, I can't, you know, truly express or, you know, or, or, think about certain things that I could around uh, a former athlete uh, that I played with that, you know, played in the NFL or, you know, was a professional athlete that I can just, you know, push myself alongside of, or just, you know, take certain things from. So um, I feel like, you know, uh, these past few days, uh, I've definitely uh, not only gotten, you know, my conditioning better, but just overall, uh, top to bottom, I've, I've gained some balance uh, just being around certain people and, and allow and then allowing me to uh, train with them and just be around and see like why they this person was great because there's a reason why people are great you know um, you know sometimes they get lucky sometimes other people who are great and you know you know they don't have everything you know go their way so they don't they don't get lucky 
you know, this is it is what it is. But you know, just to be around certain people who've done certain things, and you know, he pushes himself to. Uh, he's he's already in shape. I haven't really been working out like that. Um, the other guy that we've been training with, his name's Ray. He's a uh, really good trainer that we work with. And, um, he was with uh, the Niners for a few years, uh, training us uh, as one of the um, staff members for the strength, uh, strength, uh, strength and conditioning staff. Uh, but it's been uh, it's been fun just to be around them again, especially you know throughout quarantine. You know you've been around you know your family and kids and um, you know all the protests and everything going on. But it was just cool just to be around some some familiar faces that you know will push you past what you um, what you deem was the as far as you push yourself. Sure, you know, sure, um, sure. I was you know Ray was a guy that you know he. He was with us uh, on the strength and conditioning team, so he saw me having to push through being tired or uh, coming back for an ankle injury. And I was on the field with Dante, and you know when he was a safety back there, he's like, "Yo, I need you to hold this double team so this running back don't get through the line. I got to come up and smack, you know, one of these big running backs. You know what I'm saying? Like, do your job so I can do my job better. You know, little things like that. So when you look a guy in his eyes and you understand, you know, like what needs to be done, and when you're around these people again like that, it's 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 refreshing. So it, it kind of helps my mental to understand, you know, this is where I was and this was why I can continue to be. I just have to change over, you know, the the actual job. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it sounds like it's one of those things where it's not just the, 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 the physical aspect of it, right? It's that, you know, one, it's good to continue pushing yourself, right? We, we talked at the beginning, you know, the things that, you know, sports kind of teach us about life, you know, we're constantly striving for a goal, we're constantly pushing ourselves, trying to find new limits and things like that. And so, you know, kind of you getting back in the lab with your, you know, former teammate and, you know, now um, a colleague, right? Like, that's been very good for you. And I think it's super important for everybody to, to be looking for opportunities like that in this quarantine, man. So thank you for sharing that. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. I told you, I'm. A, hey, I told you, I'm. A, I don't need to, you know. I'm, I'm gonna throw you some stuff off the dome. There's gonna be some real stuff. I, ain't gonna, I don't like to. I don't like some. If I don't need to script it, I don't like for it to be script. You know. I of feel course. Like, you know, if you watch anything on TV or anything like that, when it's not scripted, that's when it's you get the best reaction. Yeah. You yeah. Get the best. You know, whatever that that word is, you get the you get the best <laughs> person. You know, that's, this is who they are. This is what happens in that moment like that. When you tell someone, oh yeah. So prepare for this. The fire hydrant is going to bust up and all the water is going to spread out. And you kind of prepare on how you're going to react. No, I don't want you. I just want you to react. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? yeah. So, uh, that's why, you know, I, I kind of feel uh, you know, strongly about that. No, nah, listen, man. Um, uh, you know, speaking for myself and Tunde, like, thank you so much for joining us this uh, this evening, man. Like, thank you for bringing that, you know, that to the to the to the podcast. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, we appreciate you coming in and sharing your your expertise your experience, brother, and, um, you know, leaving us with something to, to look forward to for the next week. So on that note, you know, Ian Williams, everybody, appreciate you, man. Thank appreciate you for having me. Right. Oh, oh, and last thing, um, where can people find you, man? Do you have anything that you're working on, any projects, anything you want to plug, your social media? Go ahead, put that out there, too, before we sign off. No social media, bro. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. That's all y'all need to know. All right. Yeah, all right. That's right, baby. There it is. <laughs> all right, man. Take care, all right? All right, sir. All right. All right. So that was a great interview that we did with Ian Williams. I learned a lot. I know John did. Hopefully, you did Definitely. Too. Definitely. Yeah. So I uh, got some insight on things that are going on in the NFL, 
about his thoughts, his background, his family, and his voice in within activism within the Bay Area as well. And glad that Ian was also able to provide us with his AVM for this week. So be on the lookout for that this Friday as well. So now that uh, John, Ian, and I have left you with some things to kind of check out um, for this week and listen to, uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap up the show. So first and foremost, we want to thank everyone for listening. And you can always stay connected with us by email at summer16podcast at gmail.com. Our show's Instagram, summer16pod, or on our Facebook page, summer16podcast. And all the links will be in the description. If you enjoy the content and want to help us grow and provide better shows going forward, don't hesitate to put anything towards our cash app. And that is dollar sign summer 16 pod and anything that you have or can give will help. So until next time, whole lot of gang shit. Gang, gang, gang. Stay safe and stay out of trouble, everybody. Till next week. Peace. Peace. Peace.